folks, and welcome to On My Mind. I'm Shelley Griffith, and this week I've been thinking about a lot of things related to my faith, spirituality, my church home, and I'm delighted to have as my guest today the Reverend Claire Brown, priest at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Athens, Tennessee, to talk about a lot of different things, a lot of general things, and Welcome, Claire. Thanks, Shelley. It's so good to be on your podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. And we've got a lot that we can discuss today. And I'd like to start out, if you don't mind, with just a little bit of your background, kind of uh, like we do with a lot of our guests, where you were raised and, and went to school and so forth. Sure. Well, I was born in South Carolina, and my family moved to Dalton, Georgia, when I was a toddler. And I lived in Dalton my whole upbringing and uh, went away to college but not very far to Lee University in Cleveland Tennessee then did my advanced degrees at Vanderbilt Divinity School and the School of Theology at Sewanee and as you went through the training and your education what brought you around I guess with uh, Divinity School to becoming a full-time priest instead of some other area, perhaps, of religious service. Sure. Well, I can't really talk about that without also talking about how I was raised in the church. So I grew up in a tradition that didn't ordain women or have sort of equal leadership among genders. And so while I look back on my childhood and see that there are some early indicators of calling. I was the kid who was writing sermon notes at age 10 and going home and asking my parents if I could be anything when I grew up, how come I couldn't do what pastor did? (laughs) We should should have seen this all coming. (laughs) But, you know, I had to also find a church home where those gifts and callings could fit in. So I didn't know about the Episcopal Church, really. I have one aunt who is an Episcopalian. Uh, but didn't know very much until I was a student at Lee, which is, you might know as a Pentecostal Church of God affiliated school, and started uh, getting an introduction to our tradition when a friend asked if I wanted to get his roommate's dog blessed at their (laughs) St. Francis Day celebration, which, as you know, Shelley, we do at St. Paul's. And so that was my introduction both to a fully inclusive tradition, so not only were women ordained, but at that time, the presiding bishop of our tradition was a woman. And also the liturgical tradition, the sacraments. Uh, it, it just blew my mind. I was already studying religion. Again, I had a sense of call, but no place to put it yet. So that's kind of how I started to you know, dip my toe in the water of our faith and, and explore what a call might be. And when I graduated, I was one of those recession kids that, you know, graduated with my great liberal arts degree that I was assured would be a good on-ramp to a career, and it was not, and ended up going to graduate school with the encouragement of some professors to study uh, religion and history at Vanderbilt. And while I was there, I started attending a church where um, it was actually a United Methodist church, not Episcopal, but I was introduced to a vision of how the church community can weave together acts of service in the community, a place of mutual care and spiritual rejuvenation, and and also learning. And all of those things really clicked with me, and I 
it was kind of the first time that I could see all of these things cohering, this sense of call, my intellectual interest, and my inkling toward the sacramental tradition that helped me discern this calling. And then from there, I you know, went into the Episcopal discernment process, which is a multi-year process of being interviewed and being in prayer groups and conversations. And our bishop in East Tennessee uh, sent me back to graduate school again at Sewanee to really brush up and, and round out my Episcopal and Anglican studies after my Master of Divinity at Vanderbilt. That's some definite long-standing uh, path to get to where you are. Yeah. And you've been with us at St. Paul's April of... 21, yeah, not quite two years. Good, good. And at this point, Claire, in in the role as as a priest at St. Paul's, so many, many things that you are are asked to do, feel certainly called to do, do you have what you would consider kind of a major role in the community that you see, the community of the church, and, and not just, you know, sermons on Sunday, mm. but the, the major role there that you see yourself doing and then extending into the community and how the parish does that? Mm. What a great question. So I'm going to answer with how I just had a conversation with one of my children the other day. And I asked him, do you know what my job is, really? And he couldn't kind of pin it down, which is fair, because a solo priest in a parish has about 85 jobs. (laughs) But I told him that really the most important thing that my job is about is helping get people together in such a way that they love each other and love God better. Just a little bit better. (laughs) And so to me, that's kind of the heart and soul of what the church is all about. You know, because we can learn all the answers and study our scripture alone. We could serve in the community in all kinds of ways. We could pray by ourselves. We could, you know, we can pick this all apart, but really it's about being a community together that we can grow more, love deeper, bump up against each other and grow in our forgiveness, vision something larger for the way we serve in love in our community. Um, I think that's what the church can be about. That's excellent. Excellent. And that backs me up a second. Tell us about your family. Sure. Please. Yeah. yeah. So I'm married to Austin Sauerbrei, and he is the director of a nonprofit based in Knoxville area. And we have two little children who are six and three years old, and they keep us very busy and laughing. They do that. Wonderful little children. They've, they've begun to, to know Dr. Shelley a little bit, and mm-hmm. that helps. Once they <laughs> got you unconfused with Dr. Seuss. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, just, I thought that was great. Dr. Seuss, would I love to be Dr. Seuss? He was a fraternity brother of mine, believe it or not, all those <laughs> years awesome. ago for real. But no, that's an excellent way to put that about getting us together and, and being inclusive. And I think that's that's really an important role that that uh, is fulfilled in so many churches and not unusual growing up in one denomination and and segueing into another and and as an aside when we joined the Episcopal Church about oh goodness 30 years ago it was interesting 
dear friend of mine who was a Baptist, and mm-hmm. I was raised Methodist, came up and stated, you now have joined the congregation of ecumenical misfits. And I <laughs> thought that was classic. It was, we, we weren't really misfits as such, but it was just an interesting way that we did come together. So I see that mm-hmm. point. Currently, you work with a lot of the other ministers, certainly in the community through the association. What are some of your thoughts about the the dynamics that we're seeing nationally, I guess, and I kind of hate using this word, but many more of the younger generation being unchurched, and I apologize for that word, but those who don't have this togetherness congregation, do you have some feelings there about how that needs to be approached or does it or whatever? Sure. Yeah, so, you know, there's some good demographic research that backs up that the church is declining. And anecdotally, you know, there's stories for days, right? And honestly, Shelley, it's not something that I lose a lot of sleep about. I, I know the data, and I also anecdotally hear from all different folks about why they're not interested in church anymore. And most of the reasons why people are not interested in church, I think, are pretty fine. I think they are good protest against the church that sometimes looks more loving than what Christianity has accomplished. <laughs> you know, folks who have encountered the church to be discriminating or exclusive or snobby and they're not interested, well, I got to take that for what it is. Mm. And, you know, there's also a lot of movement around a phrase you might have heard called faith deconstruction. Is that mm-hmm. familiar to you? I've heard it before, yes. Yeah, so part of that is a, a pretty typical developmental stage. You know, you you leave home from maybe being raised in a faith or maybe not, and you start to ask questions about what your parents believed and your community believed and if you want to hold on to those or not. And there has been a trend to resist, you know, some some of the more firm commitments or places where, you know, when I was growing up, there were certain questions that you just were not supposed to ask, Mm -hmm. whether that's Mm -hmm. about God or society or who's included. And, you know, a lot of the folks that I grew up with who kind of had that faith deconstruction process in our late teens, early 20s, they did not, like me, land back with a Christian tradition. Mm. Um, They moved away from that and, you know, for all different manner of reasons. So there's some generational shifts culturally with that. But one of the other things that I think doesn't get talked about is just the demographic shifts mm-hmm. of, you know, the big swell in population mid-century that filled our churches and started dozens of new church plants in all traditions is just not the situation we're living in with American population right now. So there's all different factors that kind of go into this. But when I start to hear the buzz or people are fretting about it or I feel the temptation to fret about it, I try to remind myself that the church has always been the Holy Spirit's project (laughs) and was never really my idea to begin with. (laughs) And it has looked like so many different things in different times and cultures and seasons. And there are so many different faithful expressions of what it means to gather as a transformed community that the number of our average Sunday attendance may or may not 
mean a whole lot. I believe that God's love is still at work, whether or not people are coming to Sunday church, right? Yes. And so I've got to open my eyes to to see God's hand at work in the world about us. Oh, that's excellent. Excellent. And the outreach program, certainly, that you have helped, you know, foster and promote are excellent through uh, our particular church. And I think outreach from so many denominations is so important and brings me to my next question in McMahon County, Tennessee, like so many communities across the country, we have seen just a very, very strong escalation of homelessness, mm. of food insecurity and things. And share with us some that that St. Paul's is doing, but also some of your feelings about maybe how we can approach that as a as a community church community or individually Mm, yeah that's a great question well one one thing that i see in our area is that this corridor we live in between chattanooga and knoxville is developing pretty rapidly it was surprising to me to move back up to this area after living in neighboring bradley county as a college student to see how much that area has Mm. grown up cleveland is expanding and so many more amenities available and all of those things. Population is growing and Athens is following suit. So I think that's part of what we're seeing. When you've got more people in a location, you're going to have more need. And we're also still, I think, understanding exactly what the economic fallout was from the COVID-19 pandemic. So many people got laid off. So many people are facing long COVID disability. Mm. They're we're still sorting out exactly what all of that means. So yeah, we do see an increase in the need. What I'm seeing from our community is, at St. Paul's at least, an increased desire to meet that need. So, you know, as you well know, long before I got there, this parish has been feeding the community first with a hot lunch and then growing into a really amazing food pantry effort that feeds about 500 households a week in our community. And so there's there's some real passion and heart to, to jump in and address the needs around us. Um, but I think still, you know, we see the need for advocacy to remind our neighbors, our elected officials of, well, the ubiquity of human need. A lot of the folks that we talk with who are clients at the food pantry are just like me and you. Mm-hmm. And you never know when all of a sudden somebody you love is going to need extra care or when life is going to give you a bad hand and a box of groceries to cut that grocery bill, especially with all this inflation, is going to make the difference in your ability to pay for your medication or to get your kid to play soccer, right? These really basic things that I take for granted could so easily be my life story too. And so when we stop seeing you know, folks who are in economic hard times, is different and separate from us and remember that this can be anybody anytime we're all connected then we will be more invested in building a community that takes care of everybody excellent i I agree totally it's perfect way to begin looking at that in in your busy profession a lot of people will ask when you try to compartmentalize the the person that you are if you will (laughs) mom wife full-time priest, how do you go about unwinding or how do you take that deep breath that allows you to be recharged? Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, that's a great question. I'm still trying to figure out the answer. Um, <laughs> last year in 2022, my New Year's resolution was to use all my vacation time. I almost did it. I almost did it. I was proud of myself. It's the closest I've ever come because it's really easy in my line of work to, if I'm not going to be out of town with family to say, well, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Thursday off because it's been a really crazy few weeks. And then something comes up and my Thursday is full and it just does not happen. Or, you know, last year we had to come back early from a family trip for a funeral, which is, that's part of the gig and it's a call and an honor, but I can wear myself out so fast. So I have good friends. I have a therapist. I have a spiritual director. (laughs) I have colleagues in ministry who are in different communities than mine. So I have got uh, just this afternoon, I'm going to call one of my best friends and we're going to talk about how things are going at his parish and how things are going at our parish. I've given a lot of sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, as a mom, I think um, any any of your listeners who have young children and and I think particularly people who have birthed their children, Mm -hmm. it takes a toll on your body and your mind. And it takes a couple of years to sort of come out of the fog. So just this last year, (laughs) all of a sudden I was realizing, oh, I've been sleeping all night, you know, for the first time in years and kind of getting my body strength back and clearing out some of that fog of the early diaper and night wake up days. (laughs) So that's been helpful because you can always, you can always find a little more energy and grounding if you've got time to exercise and you're getting good rest. That's excellent. Well, as a retired OBGYN, I probably need you to go to these national conferences and conventions of them and share that about the fog because postpartum <laughs> fog is really there and it extends well beyond the, <laughs> the classic postpartum six weeks. Absolutely. Very good. Very good. And, and that sort of segues a little bit. What do you find in the profession that perhaps frustrates you a little more now that you've been in it a number of years and and you don't have to share if you don't want to but (laughs) there have got to be frustrating things in all of our professions but are there two or three things that kind of bug you well sure you know all work is work everybody's got good days and bad days the thing about priesthood is that like most of life the good and the bad are two sides of the same coin and so The beautiful thing that I, you know, week in and week out think, I can't believe I get to do this. I can't believe this. This is such a gift. Is that people invite me into their stories and their lives. And I just get to be a witness more than anything else. I'm a teacher. I'm a priest. I'm a minister. I facilitate conversations and meetings. I do all these things. But really, what I get that's the beautiful gift is an eye into how people are working out God's love in their lives. Now, on the other side of that same beautiful, incredible gift is all the ways that human beings can be prickly and hard to work with. And I bear witness to that and I become the recipient of that. I think especially in the last several years in our culture and society and again with the pandemic and all that has been up in the air, I think a lot of us wear our anger like armor. Mm. And when we really have been afraid or we've been grieving, or we don't know what to do or where to turn, anger is a lot easier. It feels a lot more powerful. 
And so I've been meditating on the advice from James to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. <laughs> and I think that's good advice for anybody if you're in the church or not. And, and advice we all need a little bit more because sometimes I can, I can become the recipient of, of folks' anger and have to accompany them through that. So that can be tough. Very much. Don't need to be the receptacle of other people's <laughs> anger. But you have told me in the past thing that you really enjoy and share with us about your your writing. Mm. You've had a couple of books published and, and you enjoy writing and, and uh, I think told me that you love to do that every week or even daily. Yeah, yeah. So I have been a journaler since I was old enough to write. I've probably somewhere have seven and eight year old journals and <laughs> had a little period of time when I was probably nine to 11 years old of writing little poems and things. And yeah, I, I, a few years ago was able to co-edit a volume that is a Advent devotional that's unlike other Advent devotionals. It's got different reflections from people who are doing peacemaking work, who are social workers and activists and all across the world. And so I wrote spiritual practices and prayers to go with that. My friend Michael McRae worked on that as well. And then last year, co-authored a children's theology with a good friend of mine. And those have been really fun collaborative projects, just to me, an honor and a, and a celebration. I can't believe I got to do those things and somebody actually wanted to publish them. <laughs> and I write for our local newspaper here a couple times a month. And also every now and then I'll get a an itch or an idea and write out an article and submit that for publication in different different little online corners and things. So I like to process theology, prayer, life through writing and so a lot of it's a lot of the writing I do is just for me and for my well being. And every now and then I've got something that might be worth sharing. Well the column in our local paper is always, always very interesting and and stimulating in the thought process for us. So thank you for doing that as well. We look forward to future writings. And as you look ahead in your capacity as, as the priest at St. Paul's, what can you envision in the next maybe couple of years that you would like to see yourself be doing, the church, the together community be doing maybe? Mm. Is there a sort of a little game plan. I know you plan ahead with with the uh, governing body, but you personally, what Claire would see, you know, herself doing in a couple of years. Yeah. Well, part of that is a, a wait and see. You know, as you know, sure. serving on our leadership vestry and board uh, last year, we can make great plans and then Again, as I said, the church is always the Holy Spirit's idea. Um, but, you know, one of the things that we've been walking towards since my arrival and, and I think is really the, the priority this coming year is to continue to work toward sustainability and growing our community partnerships with the outreach ministries of the church. Our parish loves big visions that are always a little bit bigger than we can manage on our own, which is beautiful. And it also means we have to, you know, tap in other folks to be a part of the team. So I'm looking forward to see what all those hold, you know, and and just kind of doing some planning along and along and also knowing that those stories are unfolding beyond my imagination. One of the things that has also been really life-giving in our community, I've been praying and thinking about how we can grow in it, is our ecumenical work together. You know, we've got a really wonderful ministerial association here where we 
pull together a few ecumenical services each year. We've got um, just had last week our Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. celebration with folks from across the county and ministers from all different traditions. And in Lent, we will do our Holy Week all together. And I'm wondering if there's other places that we could be partnering more effectively and supporting each other uh, community-wide, not just the pastors to each other. So those are a couple of things that are, I'm noodling in my brain about this coming year. (laughs) Very good. Well, and as I say, you've been so active and you've been such a great uh, stimulus for us in the parish and the community and and we're excited with that definitely to look ahead and and watch and one thing I as an older member of the community really enjoy is watching young families Mm -hmm. become invested in the community watching their youngsters grow up uh, and and whether we are an individual part of that growth process or not I've said this for so many years and have uh, been so blessed to watch that process mm-hmm. and what uh, what the children develop into, what what uh, certainly you and Austin develop with your uh, dear friends here in the community and the things in it. And it is, and I love the way you put that in the sense that, uh, you know, the, the church is really not our project and, and yet basically we work for it, but, mm-hmm. but we're following a lot of of the the total spiritual journey and that makes a big difference and uh and reaching out as you say in that ecumenical sense but i just i love the fact that when new people come to a community and i was always accused by my wife of being nosy instead (laughs) of just just asking people where they're from and that's part of my profession as a physician but it's wonderful to have you and austin and the boys here and, and watch this growth pattern now for almost two years. Mm-hmm. So this is great. Is there anything else that you might like to add for the audience today and something that that uh, is on your heart you'd love to tell them? Because we've got all the time we need. Yeah, well, just what you were saying about families and community growing, um, that was fresh on my mind just yesterday. Yesterday was a Sunday, uh, and our youth and children's minister was off yesterday and so I was uh, stepping into her shoes a little bit and and so thankful for all the gifts that Liv brings to our community but I was with our children for Sunday school and we had nine kids from age two to ten in that room keeping me busy and then in the evening I was with our youth and it was just it was a smaller group four middle schoolers (laughs) and the conversations with our young ones the younger crew just reminded me of the depth of imagination. They were all doing art prayers where they were drawing pictures of themselves taking the role of Simon Peter out on the boat with Jesus and <laughs> telling me about the conversations they were imagining having with Jesus. Oh, goodness. And then with our teenagers, one of the things we were talking about was how do we respond to bullying? And that mm-hmm. opened some really beautiful conversations. And it's a gift to be a trusted adult for those kids. Mm-hmm. Um but it reminded me, too, that, you know, some of the anxiety, again, about church growth and are people going to come back to church and what's going on with the church? People will say, well, where are the young families? And I want to say they're right here. It just doesn't always look like a big, flashy program. Exactly. Sometimes it's just talking with a little girl about what she and Jesus would talk about if he was teaching her <laughs> to fish. That was her vision. <laughs> or to to have a conversation with a seventh grader who 
who's wading into some unknown territory and needs just a safe listener to to share it with. Not answers, but just somebody to say that this is what they're seeing and what they're worried about. And that's the sort of stuff, Shelley, that I know over time becomes this connective tissue of our communities. Mm. I mean, you know, you you raised your girls here. Like that's that's what makes this this community pretty fantastic and special. We can grow together. We can develop trust. We can just put those seeds of love into our kids. And then, hey, guess what? It turns out they are also planting seeds of love in us. Absolutely. Wonderful answer. Well, certainly enjoyed having you with us today and and perhaps another podcast in the future. And I just appreciate the service that you have brought, uh, Austin has brought, and watching the boys grow and, and watching a little basketball. That's been exciting <laughs> for me as well. And so, But thank you so much for all you are doing for the parish and all you're doing for the community. And, and we look forward to many, many more years. And and we greatly appreciate that. And folks, it's just been a treat to have the Reverend Claire Brown with us on our podcast today. And thank you all for listening in. And as I say to you all uh, each time, if you have any comments for Claire or for me, you can email me at shellgriff at gmail.com. That's S-H-E-L-G-R-I-F at gmail.com. And we can respond in a future episode. And I hope for all of you, safe and healthy day, and I'll see you a little further on up the road.